We're talking to Dr. Dixon Chibande and Ruth Verhai from Friendship Bench Zimbabwe. Uh, thank you both for speaking to Africa.com about this initiative. And the Friendship Bench uses this concept of talk therapy delivered by trained but lay practitioners. Uh, can you tell us briefly how Friendship Bench works and how this talk therapy is such an effective treatment for people with anxiety and depression and even schizophrenia? So the Friendship Bench essentially uses uh, a technique that we call um, problem-solving therapy, which is, I guess, rooted in uh, what we would refer to as cognitive behavioral therapy or, in short, um, CBT. And um, it's, it, it's really an evidence-based approach which is tried and tested but until recently, it hadn't really been uh, tested within um, low uh, and middle income countries, particularly, um, you know, being delivered by lay health workers or untrained people. In the past, the, the notion was this was an intervention that required um, psychologists, uh, psychiatrists, but we have quite um, rigorous evidence to show that it can actually be delivered by by lay health workers. And, and the reason why this is all exciting is because we have more lay health workers than we have psychiatrists or psychologists in low and middle income countries. So we can potentially narrow the treatment gap for these conditions using um, these uh, lay health workers. What techniques do these lay therapists use? And when we say lay therapists, we, we've been referring to them as grandmothers in this Friendship Bench project. Are they all, in fact, grandmothers? And what sort of training do they have and what techniques do they use on the Friendship Bench? Okay, let me answer that one. So like Dixon has said already, we're using the problem-solving therapy technique, which is basically helping someone to settle for one problem and break that down and then really find solutions via brainstorming um, and put those solutions into place, also with practicing really carefully with the council of how to do this. So um, it's supposed to help people to not be overwhelmed anymore by their big problems that most people experience here. Um, when you ask about the grandmothers, it just happened to be in Harare the case that most of the lay health workers are elderly women. That's why they are titled grandmothers. I suppose a lot of them are actually grandmothers. And within the Zimbabwean society, the elders are very respected folks. So what they say counts, and therefore this even enhances our whole project even more because they come in with the wisdom of their age and the respect of the society. So what they say has much more of an impact. We read that the Friendship Bench project actually uses, or the therapy actually uses, uh, three levels of techniques that the grandmothers use to help people work through their problems. Can you briefly take us through those those three sort of techniques or systems that they use to reach people? Um, you know, over the years, what has happened is that the, the grandmothers themselves simplified this technique into three um stages that they could identify with and um, that the community could also identify with. You know, and the first one is called opening up of the mind, or in Shona it's called Kufurapfungwa. And uh, literally that really is essentially sitting down with a grandmother and um, discussing your problems, you know, outlining your problems. You know, um, and this is so powerful because people often come to the friendship bench with with numerous problems, and they are unable to actually 
list them down and prioritize which problems are important for them. So by going through this process, it actually helps uh, the client as well to understand which problems are connected. And from opening up the mind, um, you have a process that we call uplifting or kusimudzira, which is essentially, you know, zeroing in on a problem and coming up with, um, you know, strategies, how best to actually solve that problem, you know, exploring the resources that are available to um, the client, you know, at community level, family level, clinic level, to help them address that problem. And the third component is strengthening or kusimbisa, you know, and that third component, which is kusimbisa, can go on and on and on. So in our, in our culture or in our language, when you go on and on with kusimbisa, you simply add the... Um, ISA at the end. So it becomes Kusimbisa, Kusimbisisa, Kusimbisisa, you know. Uh, so it's essentially further strengthening. And so that further strengthening can carry on and it's essentially reinforcing the skills that have been um, acquired through uh, the friendship bench. And I think there I want to add that's exactly the point of the whole intervention that people become empowered to solve their own problems. So of course they can come back to the bench whenever they want, but ideally we want them to get kick-started to understand this is how one solves a problem and then carry on by themselves. So they are independent. That concept of helping them to solve their own problems and work through their own problems seems really important because in sub-Saharan Africa, really, it's difficult to access mental health treatment because of lack of resources and several other things. Could you talk us to this Zimbabwe-specific situation that led to the creation of this Friendship Branch project here in particular? The Friendship Bench as an intervention actually was part of my my master's in public health fieldwork. Um, and at the time, I was the only psychiatrist involved in public health. And so after carrying out a survey as part of my master's in public health, we found very, very high rates of common mental disorders, which is depression and anxiety uh, in Harare. So it was then decided that something needed to be done. But obviously, Zimbabwe, with this, you know, economic challenges we're facing, there were no resources to actually do anything. Um, I was then tasked, you know, with colleagues to to come up with something that was affordable. You know, essentially, you know, we were told you have to come up with something which can be delivered outside of the clinic grounds, and you don't have to use the clinic nurses because they are already busy with a lot of other things, uh, which is the case, I guess, in a lot of African countries. And so we had um, the space outside the clinic and uh, community health workers, you know, the grandmothers. And so after careful brainstorming, we came up with this idea of delivering the intervention on a bench, the friendship bench. And so that's essentially how it was um, conceived. And um, thereafter, we strengthened uh, different aspects of the intervention and um, developed our collaboration with partners who helped us to further strengthen it. And um, the rest is history, as they as they say. So how many people has this a Friendship Branch project helped so far? Okay, so it all started in Harare, in one of the townships. And um, when Dr. Chibanda mentioned the clinical trial, we were able to work with 24 clinics within the urban area of Harare. And afterwards, we have now expanded to more than 72 clinics within three cities. So that this is Harare, neighboring Chitungwiza, and a city called Gweru. 
How's the awareness around the project growing? Do people know about it? Do they come into these clinics saying, can we access a grandmother on the friendship bench? Or are they specifically referred by clinicians only? So we're currently working a lot on the awareness campaign. So we've been uh, doing radio shows. Um, we've been exposing um, sort of the, the project on cultural fairs and events and things like that. And it seems like a lot of people have heard about us and probably also because there's quite a wide media coverage. Definitely something happening. And I think it, it hits people at a very important spot because people know what mental health issues are, but there's a stigma and there's a taboo to speak about it. So when things are coming up, actually people are quite receptive to think about that topic that is in their heads anyways. And now finally they get some information or they hear about someone who says, look, this has helped me. Um, it really worked for me. I'm feeling so much better. And so people can identify with these peers. Just segueing to another issue with people seeking treatment or referring their loved ones for treatment is the problem of stigma that's attached to mental illness, uh, particularly with schizophrenia and severe anxiety. Could you explain that situation for us? And could you sort of explain why these initiatives are helping to improve perceptions around people with mental illnesses in Africa? So I think one of the reasons why the friendship bench um, is not associated with uh, with this stigma is because it's really a grassroots thing, you know, and it's embedded in the community and it's driven by people who live in the community. These grandmothers live in the community. Um, they are respected in the community. And we, we've moved away from using, um, you know, the viral Western sort of model of describing mental illness. Um, for instance, uh, we won't talk about depression but we will talk about thinking too much, which is Kufungi Sisa. And people immediately identify with that. You know, uh, we won't talk about the, the, the sort of classical cognitive behavioral therapy components, you know, um, but we will talk about um, opening up the mind, uplifting and strengthening. And these are, these are terms which resonate with the community. So I think by moving away from very sort of um, scientific biological terms, we have removed a lot of the barriers that uh, often exist. Now, moving on to the, the whole issue of schizophrenia, a lot of people who suffer from schizophrenia um, are also suffering from what we call fungicisa or depression because of the stigma that is associated with having this condition. And so often when they come to the friendship bench, it's not so much about the schizophrenia that they are, that brings them to the bench. It's more about the stigma, the loneliness, um, the isolation as a result of their condition. And they find, um, the friendship bench as, as a way of reintegrating or finding, uh, a, a sort of firm, um, you know, footing for them to, to move on or be reintegrated in their, in their communities. And I think the same counts for HIV. Um, as we have noticed, a lot of people who are coming to the clinics are coming for HIV-related reasons and are very happy to have a place where they can talk about all the, either the stigma that is associated with them being HIV positive or just the fact of having to cope with the trauma of having gotten that, that a diagnosis in the first place and the surrounding um, environmental 
situations, for instance, or the complications of receiving treatment or having enough to, food to eat to take your medication, etc. So that has been very helpful for, for this group of people living with HIV. One would imagine this project seems so impactful to society as a whole. Almost everyone coming into a clinic could use someone to, to talk to on a friendship bench. I, I can't imagine you have that many resources at this point, or do you? How, how many people coming in want to access a friendship bench, and do you have the sort of resources to cater to everyone, or is there a triage sort of situation with who gets treated first, um, and how are we scaling this up? All right, so that's a very good question. So we have an algorithm that we use uh, that helps us to, you know, decide who needs the friendship bench. So in essence, we have a screening tool which has been validated locally. It's called the Shona Symptom Questionnaire. And so anyone who scores nine and above on this 14-item uh, tool is a case and definitely needs to see um, one of our grandmothers. Obviously, we have cases where people score less than nine, uh, but they insist that they need to be seen by a grandmother. But normally, people who score nine are referred to the bench, and they are then um, um, exposed to this um, this intervention with the, the three steps. And cases that the grandmothers cannot handle or cases that we refer to as red flags, for instance, someone who scores uh, yes on question 11 on the questionnaire, which is on uh, suicide ideation or thoughts of wanting to harm themselves, or anyone who scores 11 and above on the questionnaire is then referred to the next level. And that next level can be a peer supervisor or a peer uh, counselor, a peer grandmother who's been on the bench much longer and more experienced. That grandmother will then decide if there's a need to go to the next level which would be the supervisor or the clinical psychologist or myself. And over the years, we found that these grandmothers have become more and more competent and they refer less people uh, and they are now capable of even handling some of the more serious suicidal um, sort of cases. So it's, um, it's really sort of um, a stepped care approach with the grandmothers taking care of the bulk of the people coming in and um, the more professionals playing a more sort of um, mentoring supervision kind of role. And you've talked both a little bit about how this is going to be phased up or scaled up. Can you talk us through where to from now, the next phase of this project and how we're scaling up? Sure. Um, but um, before I do that, just to add on to what Ruth was saying, one of the things that Ruth has actually um, discovered from her research, looking at the grandmothers, you know, because one of our concerns was these grandmothers would be burnt out, you know, seeing all these people with all these issues and all sorts of problems. We actually found that for the grandmothers working with um, with clients who come to the bench with a wide range of common mental disorders is actually something that has strengthened them because the actual prevalence or the rate of depression amongst these grandmothers is extremely low in comparison to the general population. And, uh, you know, our studies show that they find this actually therapeutic. It helps them to, to become uh, more aware of their own issues. You know, now moving on to the issue of scaling up, we are currently um, scaling up locally um, going rural. That is, we're starting off uh, in one rural area called Masingo. Um, but apart from scaling up 
um, to Masingo, we are also thinking of scaling up your, up to the other cities in the country. And also we are thinking of scaling up to countries like Malawi and Zanzibar where we have been invited. So we are thinking of going beyond um, the three cities and beyond Zimbabwe. We've read that in addition to people with a mental illness who will be treated, we're also looking at expanding the program to include youth and also refugees. Can you tell us a little bit more about this aspect of the program? Okay, we've got a very high rate of substance use disorders amongst youth. And considering the economic challenges Zimbabwe is facing, there's a lot of hopelessness and depression amongst the younger generations here. So we figure it's extremely important and we are actually right now looking exactly planning how to do this and how to reach youth and obviously youth are not the group that goes to a clinic. Um, HIV positive youth are even less prone to go to a clinic because they feel they're stigmatized in the clinics are not adjusted to their needs, which has to happen in the long run. Um, so yeah, we're looking into how exactly to adjust our program to have a maximum impact and outcome for that group of people? Um, so we don't really have a large refugee population in Zimbabwe, but yes, um, there are two main camps um, which we were thinking of working with that have shown interest in, in introducing the French event model for the refugees. Um, and fortunately, you know, Ruth is, is very fluent in French, um, because most of these refugees are French speaking. We, we will be, you know, thinking of, of going, uh, up to Tongogara camp, as it's called, to set up, uh, a French event type model there, where we actually train the refugees themselves to provide this, this service to, to each other. So when we're talking about scaling up in the future, are we, are we talking about partnering with local governments and local health ministries and other initiatives within Africa? We always found it very, very important to have a project or a program that is sustainable. And we were very lucky to have these lay health workers in place who are actually employed by the city health departments. Um, so from that point of view, we I think we were always very convincing to people because we have the sustainable factor built in, basically. So what we do with funding that we get, for instance, from the UK at the moment, we're expecting funding from for various research-related projects. We are planning to basically set things up to then hand them over to the um, particular clinical departments or medical departments there, so that this is run by the people who are actually running the, the, the medical services here. Um, I'm interested when we talk about grandmothers or lay health workers. I, I'm always referring to them as lay health workers. Do they have any qualifications? How do you sort of select which grandmothers or which elderly members of the community participate in the Friendship Bench Project? Yeah, all right. So we have sort of uh, what we call core competencies that are required for a person to work on the Friendship Bench. Um, so you have to be literate. You should be able to read because administering the the screening tools requires that. Um, we also would um, want you to be able to use a phone. A lot of communication is done by phone. Um, and, um, and one of the most important component is the ability to, to show empathy or express empathy. And, and obviously empathy is something that people can learn with time, you know, through role playing and, um, 
uh, audio recording of sessions, which we which we always do. Um, but essentially, those are the key things. And our grandmothers, on average, have education. I guess I would say about ten years, you know, on average. That is just above, slightly above primary school. So they are not very educated. But then again, you don't need people who are very educated to do this work. It's pretty basic as long as you know they can work within the structures of the of the protocol um that is that is um that is set out and i think that's i want to just go back to the training so we we set up a two week long training course um which was held in groups so we had groups up to 30 people i think yeah. um so we trained in total we trained about 400 layout workers so far and um we found it very important important for them to get the idea that advice giving, which would be culturally what is done by an elderly telling a younger person what to do, was completely counterproductive to our approach. And um, I think it, people understood this. Yeah. Our, our lay health worker students understood this and found this very beneficial. And we had a lot of feedback from them during the course of their work and gathering their experiences where they said this is helping like themselves. Like I think Dr. Chibanda mentioned that earlier. This is helping themselves to deal with their own problems, to help their own family, even outside of the scope of you're a client and I need to treat you. So we found that very exciting. And going back to this, we, we really believe that um, what is important with the friendship bench is connecting people. And I think we live in a society where people feel more and more disconnected out of some reason. But this is something, this is such a primal need for people to feel connected and to feel trusting. And um, so, so that even if you're not ever have been diagnosed with a common mental disorder in your life, you can still benefit from talking to someone on a bench or wherever, but someone who has listening skills, active listening skills, someone who helps you collect your thoughts, gather your thoughts, um, focus on one thought, brainstorm with you about possible solutions, helps you choose a solution and helps you to support you to carry through. If you had to take a step back and look at this project as a whole, has it had the desired incomes you had hoped when you when you started this initiative? And perhaps looking forward, we are scaling up, but what do you hope for the future of this project in the coming years? You know, I see the Friendship Bench um, going beyond Zimbabwe, but maybe in, in a in different um, formats because essentially it's simple, it's effective, and our work shows that not only does it improve mental health outcomes, but it also empowers people economically. You know, we haven't really talked much about our income-generating component called Z-Bags, but our, our results from the clinical trial actually show that people who went through the friendship bench were more likely to be employed at six months in comparison to those who didn't. So, again, it helps to address the issue of poverty. It helps to address the issue of people um, re organizing themselves and becoming more creative in terms of how they can improve their lives, which is what Africa really needs today, critical, you know, it's a critical thing. So it's it's a powerful tool. I see the Friendship Bench more as a tool, actually, as we move forward, and not just an intervention, a health-related intervention, but really a tool that empowers people at community level and a tool that is driven by the community itself. So that's what I see for the future.
And I would like to see it, um, like I said before, expanding to non-clinical communities, you know. And I think that links up with what Dr. Giovanna said about being in a community. I mean, all we want to do and what we need to do is prevent. We need to prevent illnesses from getting worse. And we do that with other illnesses. We go for screenings and things, but what we don't do, we, we don't go for mental health checkups. People don't go to their doctors and say, please screen me for depression or whatever. You know, it almost seems like people have to get sick first before they get treatment. And that is, I don't think, cost effective in the long run. It's traumatizing for everybody involved. Um, so in the long run, we have to make people more aware of that mental health is something that has to be cared for, that has to be looked after. And every individual has a job to do there. Well, thank you both for raising all of these important issues with us. That was Dr. Dixon Chibanda and Ruth Verhey from Friendship Bank Zimbabwe. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.